0: Welcome to Matthew's World of Wine and Drink, an educational podcast dedicated to teaching you all about the wines of the world, the different regions, the different styles, the different grape varieties, and the history and culture of wine. In this final episode on port, we're going to look at the different grape varieties allowed for the production of port, and this is where port can get quite daunting and overwhelming, because port always has to be a blend and that's quite different from other fortified wines like Sherry or Van du Naturel or Madeira or Rutherglen where the wines are generally single varietal. And where this becomes particularly complex is that in port over 80 different grape varieties are allowed. So there's a lot of different characteristics and qualities to take into account when looking at the different grape varieties that go into port and which will produce a lot of different styles of wine from producer to producer depending on the blend that they make. So the different qualities that producers have to take into consideration, and the growers as well, are the yields, are they high or are they low? Growers will prefer high yields, producers generally low yields. What's the sugar like? Is it going to produce a rich alcoholic wine, which is something that we want in the base for a port? Is the acidity going to be higher or lower? Uh, with the best wines, Vintage Port, Tawny Ports, Late Bottle Vintage, needing the high acidity to um, be age-worthy, whereas the simpler, younger wines for Ruby and Basic Tawny, the acidity isn't as important. And then, of course, the nature of the fruit, uh, the red fruits or black fruits, um, and how they go together in the blend what's also important is where the grapes are planted as we discussed when looking at the Douro um, it's a very uh, diverse region with the different regions by Chicago, Simacogo and um, Douro Superior different parts of the Douro, different heat but also different levels of altitude and also different aspect vineyards at the bottom of the slope which can actually get lots and lots of sunshine because of the aspect and then there are vineyards at the top which will get less sunshine and will be a bit cooler and then vice versa. It's all about where the vineyard is facing and how it gets the sun and what the temperatures are like which will determine which grapes are going to be planted in which vineyards. In total, the blend should bring together the fruit, the fruit flavours, a richness to produce that kind of opulent style of port, the acidity, the alcohol, and of course the tannic structure as well, because port should always have that grip to it. Well in this episode we're not going to look at all 80 and more grape varieties because we could be here all day and it's impossible to know and understand all those different varieties. So what we're going to do is look at the most six important grape varieties which are also generally the most important with one exception which is very important but not planted that much. So we're going to go from the most planted downwards. So we'll start with Torriga Franca. And this accounts for about 21% of plantings in the Douro, which is the equivalent of 9,000 hectares. And this is a very popular grape in the Douro because it's easy to grow and there are consistent yields. So the growers and the producers know what they're getting from year to year without having to worry too much about growing the grape. It's also mid to late ripening. So again, the problem with a late ripening grape, and we'll look, at that, we'll look at this with some of the other grapes, is that it becomes a bit, bit stressful as you go from summer into autumn, wondering if the grapes are actually going to ripe, so having a mid-ripening grape is quite important because it's a bit of a, a relief for the, the grower as well as the producer. Torriga Franca is best on the warm south-facing slopes, so again talking about the importance of aspect, so Torriga Franca likes that warmth to get ripe, because in less warm years it's prone to rot, and that of course is an issue. Torriga Franca is best in blends, so that's what makes it perfect for port. And it produces intense, deep-coloured wines with medium body, and so it's just bringing kind of the the structure of the wine, the colour, the intensity, but just the medium bodies, it's not too opulent, not too big, and other grape varieties will be brought in to really beef up the uh, Torriga Franca. The next planted grape variety is Tinta which is called Tempranillo in Spain. And Portugal has lots and lots of indigenous grape varieties. Only Italy and Greece rival Portugal for the number of its native grape varieties. But Tinta Roriche, as it's Tempranillo, came from Spain in the 19th century. So one of the rare examples of a grape that's been brought in from another country, in this case neighbouring Spain, and probably brought in by someone called Roriche. And Tempranillo, the second most planted. The issue here is that vigour and yield can be too high and so it can be a bit out of control which will mean that the grapes lose their concentration and flavour and the wines likewise. And so Tintaro Riche is best when the yields are low. And in fact it's a general rule that if it's a good year for Tintaro Riche then there's going to be a vintage declaration because the good year means the yields are low, it hasn't overproduced and so that ripening has been gradual and and consistent but not too quick. What Tintere Riche, um, adds to a blend is colour and body, as well as acidity, and it adds aromas as well of black pepper, cherries and flowers. And Port often has that floral um, aroma, so we'll see that in another grape as well. The third most planted is Tintere Berorca, and this accounts for 11% of plantings with 4,500 hectares, so about half that of Terriga Franca. And here, tinted Barocca is very popular with growers because it has high yields. And not only that, but it ripens two weeks earlier than the other grape varieties. So this is very good for growers. They've got the high yields. And this goes back, back to the days when producers would buy grapes from the growers according to the yields. And So the more grapes they had, the more money the growers would get. The problem for that for a producer is that the quality is probably going to be lower because the grower is concentrating on the quantity of production rather than the quality of the grapes and then the fact that it ripens two weeks earlier makes life very comfortable for the growers because they get their money earlier and they know the grape is going to ripen before any bad weather might come in. However, however, there are problems with Tinta Barroca. It suffers powdery and downy mildew and also it's susceptible to heat damage and shriveling. So it's pretty important in the doro that grapes are resistant to heat, that they don't shrivel and dry in the heat, but Tinta Barocca has that problem, and so it doesn't like the doro superior, that new region which is the warmest part of the doro. So all those new plantings there aren't going to include Tinta Barocca. The wines that it produces, it's a dark-skinned grape, so it has a deep colour. The wines are full-bodied and high alcohol, so this is really adding some beef and some weight to the wine. But the acidity is lower, so it's not really going to be there as a huge component of the wine. It's adding the body, it's needing other grapes to uh, supplement the acidity. And the aromas are going to be cherry and blackberry aromas. And then we have another Grapes. So the Portuguese have a, a penchant for naming their grapes after animals, and so there's quite a few uh, spread around Portugal. And one of these is planted in the Douro, and it's called Tinta Cão, which means red dog. And this is a very high-quality grape, and one that's uh, the plantings of which are increasing quite quickly. The problem with tinto cow historically is that it has low yields, and those yields result in small, thick-skinned berries, and that's not what growers want because the weight of the grapes isn't going to be very much, so if you're being paid by the weight, you're not going to get very much money for tinto cow, so growers will not plant it that much. It's also late ripening, meaning it's a bit of a concern for growers. And so it was uh, pretty close to extinction, but extinction by the 1970s, but it was named one of the top five grape varieties. And so plantings began to increase, and especially as yields aren't as important as they are, producers are now willing to pay by quanti- quality rather than quantity, so growers are prepared to plant um, high-quality grape varieties like Cao in a way that they once weren't it does resist mildew and rot and it's also resistant to heat so it's got a lot of important qualities for the warm conditions of um, the Douro however it does need the correct exposure for a balance of acidity and alcohol and that's why Tintacau is at its best where it has high acidity and high alcohol but they're completely in balance so that mixture of a Cool conditions, particularly at night, and then the warm conditions in the day to get the alcohol high. And plantings have increased to the extent that there are actually now five percent of the Douro is planted to Tinto Cao, so much more than the 70s when it was nearly uh, gone. And then the final of the six really important grapes is Toruga Nacional, and this is the most, this is the highest quality grape in the Douro, and one that. Has really come to um, express the, the newfound quality of port and the Dodo in general. A lot of producers also use it for the dry red wine. And this is something that I think is a grape which can really kind of connect to consumers because it's so, so high quality. But we mustn't think that just because it's the highest quality grape that it's the most planted grape. In fact, it's quite the opposite. Just 2% of plantings in the Douro are planted to Torriga Nacional. So that's just 1,500 hectares. And that's because this used to be an extremely unpopular grape with growers because the yields are incredibly low with very small berries. And so you only get 300 grams of fruit per vine. And consider that it's usually a kilogram of fruit per vine that you get. That's quite... um, a huge difference. You can imagine that a grower who's been paid by the yields would not want to plant this grape variety. And by the 1970s, like Tinta Cao, it was almost extinct. But since the 1970s, there has been clonal selection, um, which has made the grape a bit more productive, still low yields but higher than they were. There's more sugar, so getting even more alcohol, and, and the quality is still high, so the quality is not being compromised by pushing towards slightly higher yields and more sugar. The wines it produces have a deep colour, they're very tannic and very concentrated. They're also very aromatic with lots of floral aromas, bergamot, rosemary, roses and violets. It's a really beautiful um, wine. And if you can get your hands on a dry, red, single varietal Torrigo Nacional, it really give you an idea of what this great variety is capable of. Extremely high quality. And so the best wines, the vintage ports, will certainly have some Torrigo Nacional in to add that floral but yet tannic quality. One other grape worth mentioning, of all those 80-odd, is Suzau, which has 4,000 hectares of plantings. And this is a grape which has high acidity and a deep colour, so it's really good for blends, just adding that acidity and colour. And this is actually part of the Quinta de Noval Nationale, which is one of the legendary vintage ports. Just to conclude, we'll look at White ports, a category that we've um, overlooked in the previous episodes. And it's an unusual category that you don't see too often, but it certainly does exist. Um, Just to give an idea of how white port is made, maceration during fermentation, which happens in red wine, may occur, but it's quite unlikely. If it does so, it gives a deeper colour to the wine and grapey skin aromas. White port usually has residual sugar, even when it's labelled dry, and there are intensely sweet wines called lagrima, which means tears, and that's because of the viscosity of the wine. The wine really sticks to the glass, giving what we call tears, or sometimes legs. And then there's another style of sweet wine called Lev Secco, which means light dry, and this is a lower alcohol style of white port with around 16 to 17% alcohol. Most of white port is aged in neutral vessels for 18 months such as stainless steel or concrete, but there is some wood aging, and that's again like the maceration if that happens, turns the wine in a deeper colour, a gold colour, and gives really nutty aromas. And a white port that's gone through either maceration or wood aging is quite apparent because of the colour and because of the nutty, grapey aromas. And the best white ports may have an age designation like tawny ports too, 10, 20, 30, 40 year olds, but those are very unusual to see. And one great variety, which is really high quality and quite important, is Viosinho. Just 800 hectares of planting has given you an idea of how little white port is made. And even now, Viosinho is mostly found in field blends, so that's the traditional way of planting in Portugal, also found in Italy. Whereas just simply you have a field full of different grape varieties which have been planted over the years and the growers may not even know what the grape varieties are they just simply dump them all together and then sell them and so but viocinio has been found in these field blends and it has is been isolated because it is high quality yields are low so again, if we're going for quality, we've got that concentration of flavours in Viocinio. It does have a lack of acidity, which can be an issue, But so it's best at high altitudes where that acidity can be preserved. And Viosigno, unusually for a white grape variety, is undergoing clonal selection to really kind of highlight the best qualities of that grape variety to produce higher quality white port. So that's an overview of the different grape varieties uh, grown in the Doro 04 port. quite complicated, lots of... Um, different qualities coming in to produce very complex age-worthy blends and to produce different styles of different blends for ruby different blends for vintage etc etc and then that unusual category of white port so thank you for listening in the next episode we'll move on to Madeira this is Matthew and this has been Matthew's World of Wine and Drink